Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chrisanne Hall Daily Journal. Chrisanne Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com, <laughs> where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. Uh, I am saying hello to you from Yuma, Arizona. Happy to have you with me today. I think uh, I sort of started off a little slow this morning because I forgot to set this up to be public and I started running off as private. And so here we are. Oh, Lordy, 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 help me. <laughs> you see what an, what an, a, a technological mess I am when JC is not around. So uh, there's a couple things that I wanted to talk to you today. I want to remind you first from the beginning, Again, we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over personality. But I also wanted to remind you that we are a teach show and not a talk show. So tonight I am teaching in Yuma, Arizona. And uh, if you want to know the details of that, I you need to go to my website, chrisannhall.com. And we're going to be talking about <clears throat> the things that we're doing here. Our class at uh, Yuma is on state sovereignty, which is the solution to the federal government out of control. What do we do when the federal government escapes outside its constitutional boundaries? Our, our founders gave us solutions before picking up arms. Because you see, they, they lived for centuries in a kingdom where the only opportunity to control government was to hold a sword at the king's throat. They did not want us to repeat the kingdom mentality. They did not want us to have to uh, be able, to, they didn't want us to have to, to pick up arms every time we wanted to control government. But they did want us to be able to control our government. And so uh, the class tonight is uh, state sovereignty. If you haven't had that class yet, it's important for you to have that class, and it's important for us to be involved in this together. No people will tamely surrender their liberties nor be easily subdued when knowledge is diffused and virtue is preserved. But on the contrary, when the people become universally ignorant and debauched in their manners, they will sink underneath their own weight without the aid of foreign invaders. And that's what we're dealing with here. Feeling overwhelmed and feeling powerless and feeling like your vote doesn't count is only because, hey, guess what? Your, your vote's not how you control government and the, and the real solutions have been hidden from you. So I want to tell you, if you're in the chat room tonight, YouTube has seen fit to exclude me from my own chat room. So I actually have you pulled up here on my cell phone and I'll do my best to to keep up with any questions that come in the chat room. But I'm glad you guys are there and you guys are getting in and I'm just the only one kicked out. So we have a great show for you tonight. Remember, we're a teach show and not a talk show. And I want to talk about Schumer. I want to talk about Congress being completely unlawful, but the federal government as a whole, engaging in criminal activity, and then nothing ever happens. The same kind of criminal activity that if you and I were to be engaged in, the federal government be ramping up and, and trampling over everyone's rights, your rights, in order to prosecute you if they think you're violating the law. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. Remember to hit the thumbs up button on your way in. Make sure you also uh, subscribe. I don't know where the little thing is. <laughs> oh, it's on this side. Uh, no, it's on this side. So hit the, the subscribe right there and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hit the thumbs up. So we're going to talk about this second legal standard, which really sort of makes us more like an aristocracy instead of a uh, instead of a constitutional republic. And again, that's because we have failed to see the truth. We have failed to to be taught the truth for so long. I'm not bashing anybody at this point. We have been so negligent in our education system for so very long 
it's really hard to to hold people personally accountable for for all of that when it's been intentionally see education has been denied from you on many different points number one it's been with intentionally withheld from you number two you've been intentionally discouraged from finding the truth and number three you are actively not just not just discouraged but i would say you're actively uh discouraged from exercising the solutions for example when i taught at the western sheriffs association conference last week in reno nevada the sheriffs of 17 states you have to know there were new mexico sheriffs there we talked about the fact that the governor said hey if you don't enforce these laws sheriff you need to resign now first and foremost we should be asking our question ourselves the question why would the governor be demanding that these sheriffs resign well she's demanding that they resign because she has no other power over them no other power whatsoever she can't fire them she can't arrest them she can't withhold their paychecks because the sheriffs in most of our jurisdiction in most of our counties and parishes are constitutional officers they do not work for the governor they do not work for the legislators they do not work for the county government they don't work for the city government they are constitutional authorities direct representatives of the people and that's who they are they don't answer to anybody but the people and the bottom line is the governor of new mexico has to call for these sheriffs to be to resign because she has no control over them and she's calling for them to resign because she knows the people are supporting their sheriffs in standing against these red flag laws so you have to know we talked about that and we did now, i'm not going to mention any names i don't i'm not going to call anybody out these people are on their own and they they asked me chrisanne what kind of authority does she have i said well look at the at the threat that she's making the threat that she's making is indicative of the authority that she knows she has none zero zip nada zilch zet done seriously do you think as mean and nasty and tyrannical as the governor of new mexico actually is that she would be telling these sheriffs to resign if she had other solutions nope 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 and i think that's also indicative of the fact that she knows that she doesn't have the new mexico national guard behind her back either these people are not going to come against their own sheriffs and their own citizens and the sheriffs have the backing of the people period and so we talked about that in the three-hour course that I gave to the new, to the sheriffs of 17 states, we talked about the role and duty of the oath, cape, oath keeper, the oath taker, to maintain our constitutional republic. And in maintaining our constitutional republic, our sheriffs have to say no. Have to say no to red flag laws. That's it. They have to. If they don't, they are acting unlawfully. They are acting unconstitutionally and they are acting immorally. I would say that number three is probably the worst of them all. Because you can hide behind the law. You can deny the Constitution. But you will answer to a higher power one day for your immorality. And I say that quite often to our sheriffs and, and to our legislators. I say that to a congressman. Who, was, who came up to me and said, what am I supposed to do, Chrisanne? Uh, what am I supposed to do when the people, you know, when, when my party says I have to vote this way, when the budget, you know, we don't want to shut down the government, so we have to pass a budget we don't necessarily agree with. I looked him in the eye. This was Tim Wahlberg. You can actually go, I don't know if that part made it to the video, but maybe it's there. I looked Tim Wahlberg in the face and I said, you know what? You are asking me to give you permission to be immoral. I will never give you permission to be immoral. 
And by the way, if you believe in a higher power, and if you believe that you're going to answer to that higher power at another day, then what is my permission for you to be immoral matter anyway? Tim Wahlberg claims to be a Christian. Then he has to understand his day, his meeting with our creator will be individual. It will be personal. I'm not going to be standing there next to Tim Wahlberg and saying, hey, I gave Tim Wahlberg permission to be immoral, so you got to give him a pass. No way. No way. You will never convince me that these people do not know what they're doing. They are either completely ignorant, which could be a very small few. They know, but they're immoral. They have sacrificed principle on the altar of pragmatism. You know, that whole, we must compromise crap. Excuse my French. And then you have, you know, the malignant, those who do this because they're wicked and evil, and which is a great segue to Schumer. I believe Schumer is evil. I believe Schumer is wicked. I believe that he does what he does because he's wicked to the core. So in our first talk about the congressional criminals, I want to talk about Schumer's threat to the Supreme Court justices. Okay? During a speech about the abortion cases that came in front of the Supreme Court. Schumer threatened Gorsuch and Kavanaugh. You have, and I'm quoting him now, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. I just want to repeat that because I want us to be clear about what he said because he's backpedaling now, right? These are his words. You have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price, he says. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. Now, Schumer is now backpedaling and saying, oh, I wasn't talking to Gorsuch and Kavanaugh. Okay. I was talking to Congress. You can't, you can't hear those words and think that there's any, any direct implication in he's speaking to Congress whatsoever. Now, I understand that the liberal, progressive Marxist snowflake ideology says that we don't have to actually mean what we say. We can say what we mean later, right? Words don't mean what they actually mean. They mean what they what we want them to mean later. So in this whacked out, completely insane, nonsensical, illogical, unreasonable way that our Marxist, progressive, liberal thinking goes, you can actually go to the drive-through and say, I'll have a, a bacon cheeseburger with fries, uh, with chili fries and a milkshake at the drive-thru. And then pull up at the window and, and scream at them when they try to give you your order and say, I'm a vegetarian. I'm offended. Why did you give me this food? Uh, because that's the food that you ordered? That's not what I meant. You had to know I'm a vegetarian and I'm a... Offended, I am triggered by the sight of this burger. See, that's the whacked out, unreasonable, illogical, brain-damaged thinking of these people. And Schumer is trying to take advantage of a people that think like that. Listen to this. You have released the whirlwind, and you will pay the price. What whirlwind did Congress release? I mean, it can't be talking to the House because the House is, a, is, now, a, is, is, is now the Marxist majority, right? They don't believe in, in, in defending life and liberty and property. They don't, in defend, they don't believe in defending anything except their right to be tyrannical over us. So he can't be talking to Congress. He says, 
You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. Okay, so maybe in the first sentence, you can think maybe he's talking about the Senate. You have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. Maybe that sentence, you could claim he was talking to the Senate because after all, it's the Senate that appoints Supreme Court justices. Now, I know that's not what he was talking about. That is not even close to what he was talking about. And we know that's not what he was talking about because number one, Schumer would never admit that it's the Senate that appoints Supreme Court justices. Senators want us to always believe that it's all the president's fault for who we have on the Supreme Court, right? Even though Article 2 says completely different that the president nominates justices and the Supreme and the and the Senate appoints justices, Schumer and his ilk would never admit to that. Period. They won't. I don't even know if you could find a Republican senator. Maybe Rand Paul might do that on a good day. Might admit that the senators actually appoint. But you remember the day when we called Rand Paul on the carpet for confirming Brennan to CIA. And Rand Paul, at that time, his statement was, well, you know, it's a matter, this is a quote now, you know, it's a matter of tradition that the Senate give the president his nomination. Ah. Boy, did we jump all over Rand Paul for that one, and he realized. See, that's the one thing that I do admire about Rand Paul. Every now and again, when you call him on the carpet, he has... He has the moral fortitude to admit that he was wrong. And at that point, he admitted he was wrong. He actually publicly admitted that he was wrong. Really, that was wrong. I should never think that way. We don't rubber stamp. That's not how the Constitution is supposed to work. He said, I'll never do that again. Bravo for you, Ram Paul. Happy to hear that, Ram Paul. But majority of the Senate would never admit that they have a responsibility and a duty to not rubber stamp nominations. Period. That's why there's a check there. Otherwise, the Constitution would just have been written that the president gets whomever he wants. And that's not what this is about. So when Schumer says, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price, you could maybe argue he was talking to the Senate, not to the House, but maybe to the Senate. But his next statement in context completely blows that whole theory that he was talking to the Senate out of the water. He says, you won't know what hits you if you go forward with these awful decisions. Now, the only ones that are making the decisions are the Supreme Court justices, not the Senate. The Senate's already made their decision when they appointed these justices. So this is a direct threat on Neil Gorsuch and Kavanaugh, a direct threat. Now, let me read something to you. To corruptly or by threats. This is this is from the post that I wrote on this, which by the way is going viral. I just, I mean, it's seriously. We're up to 150,000 views on this. It's crazy. So, awful, number one. I'm going to back up just a little bit. Number one, awful is a subjective, arbitrary term and not a standard of legal judgment. So, so, Schumer can't even backpedal and say, I was talking about impeachment, all right? You will not know what hits you if you go forward with these decisions. Awful, I'm sorry, awful decisions, okay? So awful is subjective and not a legal standard. So you cannot claim that Schumer was talking about impeachment. He was not talking about impeachment. He was talking about political public persecution. He was threatening them with political and public persecution. And it is clear because of these threats that he was trying to intimidate and he was trying to influence these judges by threatening that if they do not give him the opinion that, that he desires, that he was going to release the political wrath upon them. Now, to corruptly or by threats of or force, or by any threatening letter or communication, 
endeavor to influence, intimidate, or impede any officer or any court of the United States shall be punished as provided in subsection B. This is 18 U.S.C. 15, section 1503. Do you hear me? This is federal code. 18 U.S.C. section 1503 says it's a federal crime punishable by 10 years in prison and a fine. To, and I'm going to read this to you again. To corruptly or by threats or force or by any threatening letter or communication endeavor to influence, intimidate, or impede any officer in or of any court of the United States, and it shall be punished by a, a not more than 10 years in prison, a fine under this title, or both. This is a crime. The statute says shall be punished. So I want to know when is the punishment coming? Do you, do you realize that if you or I sent Schumer an email or made a video and posted it on social media that said, Schumer, if you do not vote according to my will, if you continue in your awful voting practices, you will feel my wrath. Uh, how about if I just say exactly what he says, okay? Schumer, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you. If you go forward with your awful votes, you won't know what hit you. Now I say that on the air. I say that on YouTube. I, it's published on social media. Does that mean now I'm going to get a call from Secret Service? Is my YouTube channel going to get shut down? Am I going to be prosecuted under federal code for simply repeating the same words that Schumer said to two Supreme Court justices of the United States? I just want to know. Am I going to be held, is Schumer going to be held under the same accountability that I am? Is Schumer going to be held accountable? in the same manner I would if I were to make those statements to him. I already know what that standard is. I already know what you got. You, got, you guys know how that works. I mean, I learned this lesson way early in the game, way early in the game. When, uh, I, I, you know, there was a time when Chrisanne was green and even more, na you know, more naive than I am, more optim I'm optimistic now, I'm not I naive. There's a difference. But there was a day when I was naive. When I first jumped in the game, I was I was like, we're going to change the world, right? We're going to do this in 30 days. Seriously. I still believe we're going to change the world. Let me change that. I know we're changing the world. Anytime you hear Nancy Pelosi trying to quote the founding fathers, I know we have changed the world. 10 years ago, no way in Hades Nancy Pelosi would have ever quoted James Madison or George Mason. No way, Jose. No way. Done. You're seeing more founding father quotes in Supreme Court and federal court opinions than you've seen accumulated in the last 176 years. And I know because we are changing the world. But when I got started in 20, uh, 2009 and 2010, I, I, I believe we're going to do that overnight. You know, these we just we just lack information. We lack the proper education. If I can reach the right people, woo, we'll do this, buddy. We'll get her done. <laughs> get her done. I stood before the Florida Senate Judiciary Committee in 2010 
to explain to them why our state did not have to comply with Obamacare mandates. I gave a whole speech about how, guess what? Healthcare is not a power delegated to the federal government. Therefore, it is not a constitutionally binding power. Therefore, it is not a legally binding power. We don't have to put up with this. And you can just say no. I had a senator look after I gave this presentation, call me out and say, I don't know how Ms. Hall can defend the Constitution after the Constitution prevented women from voting. Okay, you guys know that's a lie. The Constitution didn't prevent anyone from voting. And he said, and after all, the Constitution made men like me, he was a black man, men like me, three-fifths of a person. Now, you guys know me, right? I, I just don't sit back and, and, and take all this crap. I'm not going to sit back and listen to them do this. And I'm going to tell you right then and there, a little bit less control of myself than I do today. Then and there, I stood right up from my seat and I pointed my finger at that state senator that Florida senator and said, hey, that is a lie and you are a liar. Now, if I had actually been more, if I had been better educated on Robert's rules at that point in time, I could have been within the rules to stand up and say to Mr. Chairman, the Senator is addressing me per personally. Point of order, I have the right to stand and respond because the senator spoke to me directly. I didn't know Robert's rules back then. God help him if I had, it wouldn't have been pretty. But I learned from the get-go what it means to stand up and actually tell people things. After that meeting, the Senate president, a Republican by the name of Don Gates, Don Gates, the Senate Republican, he professed himself to be a constitutional historian and a conservative Republican. That was his little moniker to himself. And I went to him and I, and I tried to explain to him about nullification. I went to him, I tried to explain to him about how our founders said our states don't have to comply with unconstitutional federal mandates. He wasn't hearing any of it. Long story short, he tells me, Miss Hall, just send me an email and I'd be happy to hear you. So I did. I sent Don Gates a little primer on uh, nullification from a beginning founding perspective and how the Constitution requires it. I sent him a little primer. Don Gates, this was in 2010, Don Gates sent me personally to my name to my email address, an email telling me that the Senate president, this Republican, to me, sent me an email telling me he thought that I should be shot or hanged. Those were his words. Shot or hanged for asserting that the states have a duty and an authority to tell the federal government no. Now, I knew then and there, if I had sent that same email to Don Gates, we'd have been talking a different story today. But that's what I'm talking about. Schumer can sit up there in his ivory tower and violate 18 U.S.C. 1503 by the very letter of the law and then try to backpedal with some brain-dead Dumb. Um, you got to be brain dead dumb if you're going to believe Schumer's backpedal on that. I'm sorry. I don't mean to like hurt anybody's feelings. I don't want to trigger any snowflakes. And I'm not, I'm not actually making fun of anybody's disability. But you have to be brain dead dumb to believe that Schumer was not threatening two Supreme Court justices. And if you or I made those same statements to Schumer publicly, we'd begin to knock on the door from the Secret Service all of our social media would be shut down, period. So that's where we are. <clears throat> Seriously, that's where we are. Completely 
aristocracy, a complete aristocracy and the view of aristocracy as if, you know what, today the people themselves have no authority. Somebody in the chat room says Schumer is icky. No, he's not. He's not icky. He's, he's evil. He's wicked. He's absolutely wicked. My spirit is repulsed just looking at his face. I, 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 I don't know what's living inside of that man, but it's not good. It's absolutely not good. And I don't mind saying that. I'm entitled to my opinion. And I'm not threatening him. So take it for what you want. Look, I wanted to share with you We'll do a little uh, we'll do a little commercial break and then we'll come back with the next part of the show because there's some really important issues that I want to talk to you about. The um, <clears throat> I got some really great questions from some college students that I want to go over on the air with you. I want you to see and I'm always trying to encourage you to know. That the millennials you see on television and in the media, the ones that I call the media millennials, they're, the media is making mountains out of molehills with these people. The media is building up this, this brain-dead millennial population to be the majority, but they are not. They are absolutely not the majority. So I want, I want you to, to hear from some real college students. You're going to love these questions. They're absolutely brilliant. And they're real thoughtful and liberty-minded. How do they, you know, we need our college students, we need to train up our students in understanding this. This is why we have libertyfirstuniversity.com, where we teach what I teach. You can stream it at your own pace and learn how this is supposed to work. Learn how the Constitution, you don't have to guess and you don't need to be a professor. You don't need to spend and study decades, spend hundreds of thousands of dollars in studies for decades. You just need somebody to walk you through it from a constitutional, historical, and principled perspective. And we can do that for you. Now, to reach other people, we have Liberty First gear. T-shirts are great ways to reach other people. How many of you often read the pe people's T-shirts that are in front of you? Do you know how many times people see this Got Liberty T-shirt and say, oh my goodness, that is an amazing T-shirt. And now we have the new um, Liberty Attic T-shirt and people absolutely love that. Don't forget we have our ladies gear. Ladies, walk around with your uh, Women of, of Real Courage t-shirt, Real Women of Courage t-shirts. Teach our daughters about Penelope Barker and Mercy Otis Warren, about the women who influenced America and defeat the progressive Marxist ideology that we were all, you know, oppressed by our overbearing, chauvinistic, misogynistic husbands and we had no role to play. I hate that. Do you know how angry that stereotype, that projected narrative makes me? Because I absolutely love Mercy Otis Warren. I absolutely love our founding mothers. And that progressive Marxist narrative that we have out there teaches our daughters that they're worthless unless the federal government makes them better than they are, right? Think about that for a second. When you teach that false narrative in the classroom, what you're teaching women is that they are not naturally in themselves great human beings. That they are only great human beings because the federal government said they were. Take this stupid equal rights amendment. I don't need an amendment to the Constitution to know that I have equal ability to do a job that a man can do with physical limitations on my part. Maybe some other women don't have the same physical limitations. 
I'm not even five foot one. I'm strong. I'll kick your butt, guaranteed. But I'm not going to run around picking 150 pounds up and trucking through the woods or whatever, right? But I am equal, if not better, in brain. <laughs> Can I just jump out there? Guys, I am equal in my ability to think, to process information, to speak, to love, to live, to have ideas. I am equal. I should be equal in my opportunity to provide those ideas. I don't need the government to tell me I'm equal in order for me to feel equal. But when we teach this wicked, errant ideology, this false narrative in history, we teach our daughters that they're not that they're not equal unless the government tells them they are. And that's a bunch of garbage. Absolutely a bunch of garbage. So thank you, James Miller, for your super chat today. Chrisanne, I saw you on Lifestyles of the Locked and Loaded the other night. Oh, really? What is that? Lifestyles of the Locked and Loaded. That was a wonderful hour. Oh, okay. All right. I didn't know that's I don't know that's what that was called. Uh, that was a wonderful hour, and people were wowed by what you had to say. Thank you. Thank you. That was Hank Strange show, right? The the lifestyles of the locked and loaded on the with Hank Strange. I, 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 I didn't know that was the name of the show. I thought he called it something else when we went in there. But Hank Strange was a great guy, and, and that was a fun show. You can look for me to be on with Hank Strange more in the future. We had a really great time there. Yeah, so thank you, James, for your support. So I want to now go over with you these questions. And I want you to keep in mind that these questions came to me from college students, from the millennial generation, okay? Question number one, college millennial. What would a union of sovereign states look like? Do you have to know my heart fluttered? Because the premise wasn't, the question wasn't, if how, how do we not have, you know, sovereign states or slavery? Because that's what they teach in the schools. That's what they teach in the colleges. If the states are sovereign, then we're thrown back into slavery. That's what they teach. That's all a big fat lie. Okay. And so here's my answer. There would be many changes small and large, because you realize we are a union of sovereign states. If you don't know that, if you don't know that, then you must become a student at Liberty First University. If you don't know and you are not settled in the knowledge, I mean settled in your core to the point where you could actually defend it. If you don't know that, you need to be a student at Liberty First University and you need to take the class on state sovereignty. Okay. In the very least, go to chrisannhall.com and download the video on state sovereignty, in the very least. Okay. Now, if you, uh, I shouldn't tell you how to get it, get the, the short version for free, but <laughs> I will. C-SPAN. C-SPAN has the short version, not the complete class, but has the short version of my state sovereignty class on C-SPAN Book TV. You can go to C-SPAN. Just go to your search engine, search Chris Ann Hall, uh, Sovereign Duty, C-SPAN, and you can see the so short version for free at no cost to you, right? There's nothing for free because it costs me a lot of money to do what we do. But I'm, I'm, I'm you know, you can see it there at no cost to you, all right? But if you just want to support us then, and, and you feel it's valuable to support us, then you can go to chrisannhall.com and download the full thing. And you want the full education, not just the, the short version. Go to chrisannhall.com, you can download the video or you can order a DVD or you can go to libertyfirstuniversity.com and become a student there. So here's my answer. The question is, what would a union of sovereign states look like? There will be many changes, small and large, and I will cover a few major changes and you can apply the principles you've learned to think deeper on the issues to discover on your own. The biggest change you would see in a union of sovereign states operating according to the Constitution would never have 95% of the federal agencies dictating policy to them. Article 6, Clause 2 
prohibits the exercise of undelegated authority, and these executive agencies have no delegated authority. Remember, we're a teach show and not a talk show. So if you want to go hear more ranting, raving about, you know, the evils of Democrats and the Republican greatness and all this other stuff, then, then go tune into the people on the talk shows. But we're going to teach here. That's what we do. And the question is, how different would America be if we acted like a union of sovereign states? So <clears throat> Article 6, Clause 2 prohibits the exercise of undelegated authority and these executive agencies have no delegated authority. Consequently, there would be no federal regulation of land, resources, businesses, etc. within the states. The presence of these federal regulations stifle growth, ingenuity, and profits. Federal agencies produce no product, nor do they create any revenue. These agencies rely on tax dollars, permitting fees, and fines to produce the funding necessary for their own operation. Without these suffocating regulations and resource-robbing fees, the states would be free to engage in commerce and production to the benefit of the state instead of to the benefit of federal government and their agencies. The states would operate at a level of prosperity that would fulfill the vision of our founders had of, for America, a prosperity that would be viewed as unprecedented in the world. In a union of sovereign states, there would be no federal income tax. Taxes would be collected according to the Constitution based upon the proper apportionment of the national debt, and federal spending would be curtailed by the power of the states to refuse to fund anything not authorized by the Constitution. The Constitution designs the federal debt to be paid by the states according to their population. This is one of the purposes of the census. A state with a larger population of people would carry a larger portion of the national debt. In this way, the states maintain the power over the purse, over federal spending, and they have the ultimate control by refusing to fund any activity not authorized by the Constitution. Finally, in a union of sovereign states, the people would have more control over the power of government in their lives, and that's federal and local. Most of the power exercised by the government would be exercised at the state and local levels where the people have the most control. The states would exercise their full authority as sovereign governments, refusing to fund unconstitutional federal activity and refusing federal government any authority over the people of the states when that authority is exercised outside the Constitution. States have the authority to refuse compliance with any and every exercise of power beyond the Constitution. And in that way, the people through their state governments would have the most immediate and most powerful control over federal activity. In summary, in a union of sovereign states, the people would live with an unprecedented degree of liberty, which would foster ingenuity and growth and bring about unimaginable wealth and prosperity. Period. That's how it's supposed to work. We have struggling states because we have too much federal government. We have a decline in ingenuity in America because we have too much federal government. Uh, the next question that I have has to do with the Articles of Confederation. What was the justification for the Articles of Confederation to limit the rights of paupers and vagabonds? Then the third question is, how much power did the Articles of Confederation delegate to the federal government? For time reasons, we're going to skip over those questions. I will publish these on my website, chrisannhall.com, so you can go online and see them. Uh, as soon as I have them published, I'll put them in the show notes as well for the link. Here's question number four. This is what I want to do. I want to cover question number four before we go, because this is just, all right, millennial college students, not media millennials, real millennials. Question number four, why was it proper for the states to organize and form a union through the Constitution, but not proper for the federal government to join the United Nations? We have millennials knowing that it's improper for us to be a part of the United Nations. We have millennials that know it's wrong, and they want to know the facts. 
They don't want to just know yes or no. They want to know because they want to have an answer when they're called upon. When their liberal friends or their, their whacked out professors in the future start teaching them all this garbage, they want to have an answer. So the question, I'll read it again and then I'll give you the answer. Why was it proper for the states to organize and form a union through the Constitution, but not proper for the federal government to join the United Nations? Are you ready? Here we go. Teach show, not talk show. The states were created as sovereign and independent governments. See the last paragraph of the Declaration of Independence. If you don't know that's true. If you still don't know that's true by reading the last paragraph of the Declaration of Independence, once again, you need to be a student at Liberty First University or guess what? You can get my book, Sovereign Duty. If you get my book, Sovereign Duty, well, I don't know why it's like that, but if you get my book, Sovereign Duty, then you will be able to uh, learn at your own pace. Read read that. I don't know why that's doing that. Um, read that. Oh, there we go. Woohoo! See, I don't. I can do this stuff. Yes, I am woman, hear me roar. So you can uh, read the book Sovereign Duty. In the back of the book Sovereign Duty, you get all my research. Everything that went into writing that book comes to you in that book. And you will learn why we were created and how we were created to be a union of sovereign states. In creating the states, the people delegated to their states very broad and extensive authority. As sovereign, independent governments, they possess the authority to join together as a union on behalf of the people to secure the rights of the people. Okay? The federal government was created to be a representative of the states in foreign affairs. The states delegated to the federal government a very precise and limited authority to act upon their behalf. Article 6, Clause 2 of the Constitution teaches us that only laws and acts of the federal government made in pursuance to the Constitution are valid and considered to be the supreme law of the land. Since all unconstitutional acts are null and void, the federal government has very limited sovereignty. The federal government is only sovereign in the exercise of constitutionally delegated authority. All unauthorized acts lack sovereignty. The federal government was never delegated the authority to create or join an outside union. Some, now here's the counter argument, some could argue that the federal government was delegated the authority to create treaties and by treaty then join or create a union. But that line of thinking would not only lacks justification through the Constitution, but also is directly contradicted by those involved in drafting and ratifying the Constitution, what they actually said. Thomas Jefferson made this remark about the power of treaties. He says, and I quote, I insisted that giving the President and Senate a power to make treaties, the Constitution meant only to authorize them to carry into effect by way of treaty, any powers they might constitutionally exercise. Now, he wrote that in 1793. In 1800, he said this, By the general power to make treaties, the Constitution must have intended to comprehend only those subjects which are usually regulated by treaty and cannot otherwise be regulated. It must have meant to accept out of those rights reserved to the states. For surely, this is the key, for surely the President and the Senate cannot do by treaty what the whole government is interdicted from doing in any way. He wrote that in 1800. Therefore, since the power to create or join the entire body of the states to a secondary union was not delegated to the federal government and any act attempting to bind the people and their states to a secondary union is unconstitutional and it is therefore null and void. So there's your answer. That's why the United Nations, our membership in the United Nations is unconstitutional and ought to be considered by the people in their states a null and void membership. And it's just simple constitutional principles. Now there's one more question that if you go to the website, you can, uh, chrisannhall.com, when I get this posted, you'll be able to read the answer to the question. But here's the question, I'll give it to you before we go. Since the millennials, 
college millennials. Since the purpose of government is to secure the rights of the people, how do American governments secure the rights of innocent people from being imprisoned? See, this is what our college students are worried about. These are the things that they're thinking about. Not snowflakes, not non-gender bathrooms, not discerning which 147,000 identities they want to assume today. That's the media millennials, the molehill millennials. Let's call them that, molehill millennials. Those are the molehill millennials. The media molehill millennials, MMM. <laughs> They're not the majority out there. Don't despair. Don't lose hope. We have a whole generation of people raising, rising up to take over. And they are seeking the knowledge and the wisdom of liberty first. Remember, you can get that knowledge and wisdom at libertyfirstuniversity.com. Why don't you gift a subscription to your millennial? Gift a subscription to your middle school, high school students so they don't become a media molehill millennial. Let's be active in the taking back of our principles. Be a part of this. Partner with us. It is so very important that you guys support independent media. Now, I know, I notice, I always notice at seven o'clock that a handful of you guys go over to, to Frank's show. I want you to go to Frank's show, but support him too. Support independent media. Before you send money to a politician, before you send money to a political party, before you buy Chick-fil-A or Starbucks, support independent media monthly. Because a coffee and a chicken sandwich is not going to help the future of America. But this will. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for joining me again. I am... This is Chris Ann Hall, live from Yuma, Arizona. We will see you next time. God bless.